Hello and welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid, where once again, this year, we find ourselves saying well done, Baku. <laughs> I'm your host this week, and I'm Tom, joined by Stu. Hello. And Chris. Hello. Big and time, well, well done, Baku. Yeah. <laughs> How does it rank amongst previous Weldon Bakus for you two, this one? Ooh. It's up there. <clears throat> it is up there. It is up there. I don't know. I think maybe ask us at the end. Ask us that one at the end. Okay. Yeah. We'll hold off on that question then. Um, unexpected winner to a degree. I think we're going to start there. I think that's the best place to start, is it not? Yeah. I mean, I mean, we were saying last week <clears throat> how there's never been a repeat winner there, so... Odds were on it being someone new. I think everyone just expected that someone new to be Max, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. I think everyone expected the other Red Bull. A quick glance at the Predictions did. League yeah, implies that everybody <laughs> thought it was going to be yeah. Max. Well, it should have been, shouldn't it? It should have been, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, where do we want to start? I've written some notes down in the order I thought of them, but I mean, where's, where's, where should we start with that race? Yeah. I mean, I'm happy to talk Perez, because ultimately... That is, I mean, his is a very eventful story, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. Um, so just like quickly recap his race, I guess. Uh, he got past signs off the line, got around the outside of Gasly at turn four on the first lap, which was a, a really bold overtake. I really enjoyed that one. Um, which basically put him behind uh, Max in fourth place on the first lap, which is exactly where Red Bull want him to be. Um, he shuffled past Leclerc as everybody else <laughs> seemed to do um, into third place on lap eight. Um, and he basically stayed with Hamilton and Verstappen, didn't he? He was never more than two or three seconds behind, I think, in that first stint. Um, jumped Hamilton in the pit stops, despite him having a pretty ropey stop. Actually, it was like a four and a half second stop, I think, Perez had. Yeah, yeah their stops were kind yeah. of similar, weren't they? For different reasons, but... I mean, Hamilton's was slow because of the alpha. I can't remember which one it was now. Yeah. Um, and then Perez looked like he had a slow left rear, was it? I think he it? did, yeah. It was one of them slow on the on the rear, yeah. 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 Uh, then, no, we say slow, it was like two <laughs> seconds. Yeah. It wasn't slow. It was like slow a by Red Bull stop. and F1 yeah. standards. Yeah, there was a time when like a four-second pit stop was a ridiculously I know, fast right. pit stop. Yeah. Um, and then he basically spent the whole rest of the race having to hold Hamilton behind him. But, I mean, he never... Hamilton, other than the safety car restart, never really looked like having a proper run at him, did it? Like, Perez measured that defence of second place really well, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, and he was... I mean, he was exactly where Red Bull want and need him to be. Well, it was that reverse like, situation, For the first time it? this season. Yeah. I mean, he's always been there or thereabouts, but this is definitely the closest I can think that the second Red Bull driver's been to the lead Red Bull driver hmm. in a while. It feels and, that way anyway. Yeah, and with Bottas out of the picture, you had Hamilton versus the two Red Bulls rather than Verstappen versus the two Mercedes like we've been used yeah. to seeing the last few years. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of flipped a little bit, hasn't it? Yeah, and I mean, yeah, Red Bull lot. played it perfectly, didn't they, really? Um like other than the slightly slow pit stop can't fault anything they did all day um then yeah the restart obviously once hamilton uh drops out of contention which we'll get to <laughs> perez just kind of had enough for gap for a couple of laps he did have a hydraulics issue which they were very concerned about hence him pulling over pretty much 
as soon as he finished the race. Um, mm. They were extremely concerned about that for the last couple of laps. Uh, but yeah, brought it home for his uh, second win in only his sixth race at Red Bull. He said himself he'll need five races to get up to speed. And I mean, that's not a bad way yeah. to say, okay, I'm up to yeah. speed, is it? <laughs> Bold statement, backed up. <laughs> yeah. And he was just great. He was just brilliant. And it's early days to be drawing any conclusions, but so far, definitely points to Red Bull having made the correct decision, I think. I think, I think already we knew that they'd made the right decision by getting Perez in there. I don't think it needed yeah. sort of this result to, to to sort of tell us that. I think no. if he'd finished second on this race, would be he'd be he'd be very very happy with second. It's oh, very yeah. unfortunate the way he did win it. Um, he let's not forget he still couldn't challenge the car ahead, the other Red Bull. Like I think yeah, Verstappen was controlling that race for the majority of the time. I think if he had had as quick a pit stop as Verstappen, it would have been very tight on the pit exit. Hmm. I think Verstappen. Yeah. Would so you probably... think we were robbed? We were robbed of a, of a battle between I mean, Perez and Verstappen. I mean, heart of hearts. I think even if Perez had come out ahead, I don't think. I think Verstappen probably would have had the speed to overtake him and get, get mm. back into the lead anyway. But he was like, I was really impressed with how on the pace with the front two he was. Mm. Well, we know what happens to Verstappen when he gets too close to his teammate at Baku, don't we? Mm. <laughs> That's never gone badly before, has it? Mm. Uh, that, was, that was Ricardo into the back of him, wasn't it, that year? Yeah, but he, he was some, kind of... Mm, it was well, six we, or one, half a dozen of the Yeah, I was going to say, we officially it? decided it was 50-50. <laughs> well, having seen it again on the sort of highlights recently, I still think that was... Uh, that was some ropey defence, but that's a completely different yeah. race and there's plenty to talk about in this one. Yeah, yeah. yeah let's not get 100%. sidetracked about who weaved who. <laughs> Uh, a quick dip into the inbox from Kieran Uh, he said has Checo finally broken the Red Bull second seat curse if so do you think we could see him push on and be an outside chance for the title this season he didn't quite have the pace on Max but he was keeping Lewis behind him without too much trouble Hmm. I think outside chance yeah why not Um, we're only six races into a what 23 in in theory a 23 race season although that's maybe in a little bit more doubt mm. this week than it was a week ago. Um, but again, we won't get into that because the whole other <laughs> episode's worth. Um, so yeah, I think he could totally could be an outside chance. It's, there's plenty of time to make up the points he hasn't quite scored yet. Yeah. He's not that far behind. 32 behind Hamilton. 30, a few more behind Verstappen. Yeah, like 40-odd then behind Verstappen. Uh, what is it? No, four points the gap at no. the top. So Yeah, four, it's only four points, yeah. isn't it? Sorry, yeah. Um, so yeah, so why not? It would only yeah, it would only take the top two to have a couple more ropey races, and he could definitely close that gap. Um, yeah. Well, I think if if we'd not had a double the top two retirement, exactly, yeah, he'd probably have less of a he'd have a lot he'd have a lot less of a chance. But the fact that he's just gained twenty five points on yeah. the top two cars, like that's going to yeah. throw you right into contention. Exactly, yeah. if that happens again, um, um, yeah, I think he's he's definitely going to be. If, if he does carry on this form, it's going to be a lot more of a headache for Hamilton than it is Verstappen. Put it that way. Mm. That's, I was going to ask him, who do you think's got more of a chance of being in contention sort of halfway through the season? Bottas or Perez? 
Oh, Perez at the yeah, moment. Perez. 100%. Yeah, Perez. 100%. It's an easy one, isn't it? Yeah. Easy one. Yeah, it feels it. It minute. shouldn't be that way. Shouldn't be really that way. Really shouldn't be that way. Uh, should we should we just do the top three while we're <clears throat> while we're talking? But let's do it. Sure. Uh, so you're gonna expect a top three. That while it we're is. talking, while we're doing that talking, thing <laughs> that we do, <laughs> I know what I'm saying. Um, Vettel, second place. Uh, he took Not the hard. soft tires on the first in longer than anyone else. He did 18 laps on them and jumped uh, Alonso and Snowder by doing that through the pit stops. Uh, safety car restart. He got past Leclerc, which I imagine would have been. Extremely enjoyable for him. <laughs> mm. um, Leclerc responded by nearly running into the back of him at turn two when he just yeah. came in all locks. How he missed him, I do not know. That was hairy. That was nearly that was the, one of the hairiest moments of the race. Yeah, that was nearly like three cars out on the spot. Another safety car, probably a red flag actually at that point. Um, got past Gasly into turn one, following lap, uh, held on third at the restart, and obviously inherited second from Hamilton. Um, but yeah, just again, another really, really brilliant drive. Like I really, we say it last week, like that Monaco performance, just in terms of like his demeanor and body language, like it looked like he'd really turn a bit of a corner and this obviously, um, keeps it going that way. Uh, it's Aston Martin's first ever podium in F1, um, going back to what was it like? Mid fifties, I think they were very first. Yeah. In. Um, it also keeps up Vettel's record of getting a podium in every full season he's done in F one. The only season he's not got a podium was his first season, where he only did like six races, I think, which is mm. pretty good going. Vettel's also never finished lower than fourth in back. Oh, yeah, I was about to say he's, yeah. he's, he goes quite well here, doesn't he? Generally I think, speaking, is he? I think I'm right in saying he's points wise the most successful driver at this track, followed by Perez, I believe it is now. It's definitely that, that those Quite two are possible. definitely the two that scored the most points there anyway. Mm. Um, mm. But it's just great to see, like, for, for Vettel and for Aston Martin. Like, do we think this is genuine? Like, Aston Martin have found something recently, or is this a couple of circuits that have suited mm. their car? Well, he, he had, he at the start of the race, he had fresh. Um, Pirelli's fresh softs on. Mm. Yeah, he started that, that, that choice level of place. Yeah, and uh, that allowed him to get 18 laps in before he made a pit stop, which meant that his um, his hard tyres were obviously mm-hmm. inherently much fresher than all those people around him as well. So it allowed him to sort of move move forward and, and, and defend really easily. I, I guess it was capitalisation of that. Like we, we sometimes say that if you're not quite on the pace for Q3 and good positions in Q3 that being in that 11th place slot at the end of Q2 is kind of almost like the, the second best thing, really, isn't it? Because you've got that free tyre choice and you're not having to put the car through Q3. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, it, I mean, being 11th and having a free tyre choice compared to being 10th and being stuck on a tyre where you've had to try and compete, it does make a difference. So I think maybe that, in combination with just, you know, Vettel's, prowess from his years in the sport yeah. has probably both come together quite well for him to just capitalise on little bits of chaos ahead of yeah. him with like Verstappen and and maybe maybe Ocon as well to a degree like Ocon not being there like mm-hmm. Ocon's yeah. been running quite well recently yeah, Ocon was um, really unlucky actually and then, he, yeah. he would have he would have finished well this week I think if he'd not had the retirement if he'd not had yeah. any um, car, car trouble yeah so I'd um yeah. 
I'd like to have seen what Stroll would have been able to do as well, because he was the only car that started on the hard tyres. Um, I mean, he really needed a safety car for that to work. Ironically, he was the one that caused the safety <laughs> car, but yeah. I'd be yeah. interested to see where he shook out as well had that not happened. Mm. Uh, and we'll never know, Chris. We will we'll never, never know. know. And then third place for Gasly, um, sort of made by his fourth in qualifying, which was an incredible lap he put in there. Um yeah, I mean, whether he'd have kept that had it been not been for the red flag, yet another qualifying cut short by a red flag. Um, again, we'll never know. But uh, yeah, he ran fifth for most of the first phase, managed to jump McClure in the pits. Um, he was nursing an engine issue from pretty much midway through the race. He was having power drops down the main straight, which is not what you want at that circuit. Um, they were pretty scared they were going to have to retire through engine issues as well. Um, but he didn't. He lost a place to Vettel after the safety car, as we mentioned, but he had a hell of a battle with Leclerc for those last couple of laps for the last uh, podium place and managed to hold him off. Um, just like a whole podium of just really, really impressive drives. It was like... Yeah. I don't think there was... Obviously, there are a lot of unhappy people for their own races this weekend, but I think everyone was happy for the people that were up there. Yeah. And he was nice. I, it was a very feel-good podium. It was as well, especially yeah. like when you saw like the uh, Perez's old um, crew, at what is now Aston Martin, were like celebrating with me. Went over to like talk to them and stuff afterwards, and like you saw various drivers coming to congratulate them all. Like Max went up, made a point of going straight to Perez to um, you know congratulate him and stuff. Like he was feel-good is the word for it. It was yeah, <laughs> it was very nice. All the feels. All of them. Uh, should, we, should we do Verstappen next then? The race that could have been. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> sure. he was just completely in control, wasn't he? Like, he was yep. comfortably shadowing Hamilton for the first phase. Um, him and Red Bull just completely aced the pit stop phase. Like, he didn't even just beat Hamilton out. He was, like, seconds ahead of Hamilton after the pit stops, and they only pitted one yeah. lap apart. Yeah. Obviously helped Mighty by pit a... stop. Yeah, oh, it was, like, 1.8, was it, I think, his stop? One point, it was a 1.9, but um, it had... Um, I, I did the fastest pit stop thing today for yeah. work, and the car was off the ground before it even stopped. <laughs> Like when you That's watch ridiculous. it in when you watch it in slow motion, the the car is still moving forward when the jack is lifting it up. It's really bizarre. Wow! And you can see the jack sort of slide across the floor ever so, like by about an inch. That's it's where the hours and hours of practice comes in, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's crazy, crazy, crazy bit stuff. But anyway, carry on. Impressive. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was. There's no other way of saying it. He was completely robbed of a victory and a pretty healthy extension to his lead in the championship. Mm. It's, I mean, in the end, as we know, it kind of shook out. Well, it did shake out that the top two stayed exactly as they were, but I think that's going to be small consolation for Verstappen. Like he, he should have been gaining a big chunk of points over Hamilton in the championship this weekend. And it's not often you see drivers kicking their car yeah. after they've crashed. <laughs> that is an image you're going to see a lot, isn't it? Booted it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was kick- well, he was kicking the tyre, wasn't he? He was upset with the tyre. Yeah. But yeah. Um, obviously, it's, I mean, it looks like debris. A lot of, you know, a lot of this tyre failure talk that you hear 
is it seems to like point the finger at Pirelli and you know there was a bit of commentary saying oh it's not acceptable this that the other but at the end of the day like you can't make a tire that's impervious to being punctured can you unless you mm. well you can actually <laughs> but <laughs> it wouldn't be the fastest tire for, no. for a race yeah yeah like, unless you're in like the military <laughs> then you don't really <laughs> want to be using those kinds of tires if you want to go fast you need these kinds of tires so um i have sympathy for pirelli because it doesn't look very good on them when they've got multiple tire failure tire failures in inverted commas yeah um occurring in a single race but you know debris is debris like especially when you're at a street circuit there's always going to be like bits mm-hmm. of stuff it is um, a, a circuit the size of this one as well it's a long old it's a big old track for what it is for a street circuit it's a monstrous track oh yeah yeah like a 140 so, odd lap like that's a long old street circuit so um and you think of how wide some of the sections of it as well down that motorway <laughs> what is effectively an, an autobahn yeah. down, the, down the straight road so you know, like you, every year we see like incidents and, you know, we've seen before debris causing problems for, for Formula One cars around this circuit. And it's just it's part and parcel of the gig. It's, it's very unfortunate that it happened to the leader again. Yeah. But um, and obviously you know. it was a left rear failure for Stroll as well earlier in the race. Um, Stroll's tires had done 30 laps, Verstappen's had done 32 which is on the hard tyre that Pirelli said should be able to do 40. And other drivers did take those tyres beyond that distance. Um, Red Bull said they had absolutely zero warning ahead of a failure, which does go against the idea of it being um, some kind of structural thing or a puncture because generally they'll see vibrations and stuff ahead of time. Um, yeah, I, I think you can usually tell as well from the footage, from the onboards, and from the behavior of the car. You can usually tell when, like, when it's wear and when when the cars, like, when the tires giving up from like a delamination or something like that. That like, you see the tire just disintegrate, and that is not what happened to the Red Bull. The Red Bull just was an instantaneous kind of not a tire explosion. They don't like you to say tire explosion, but. <laughs> It was an instantaneous loss of pressure in the yeah, tire, yeah. and obviously that's what's what, what what's caused this issue. Yeah, um, and the, the usually the reason that happens is because something has pierced the surface of the tire somewhere. So, I, yeah, the logical thing is that I don't think it's tire fail. I don't think that, you know the there's anything wrong with the tires. I think it's just hit, it's hit some random, it might be the tiniest piece of debris that's caused a huge Yeah, I huge think incident. I think what leaves a bit of a bad taste is that maybe it's just some recent memory. It feels like we've seen more failures with Pirelli tires in recent years than I remember seeing in, in years gone by with other manufacturers. But with mm. after like the shenanigans in... Um, Silverstone and other places the last few years. Pirelli like specifically went away and built a tire. They said this shouldn't happen to it. He's more resilient to this. And clearly it's not. They also said um, Hamilton's left rear that they took off during the red flag also had a massive uh, cut in it that wasn't quite deep enough yeah. to cause the same issue. Um, mm. Like I, I, I do think- agree with you that Pirelli tend to get a bad rep with this sort of stuff some of it deserves some of it not but they definitely have 
questions to answer. And I, I think as well, they don't help themselves when the second something like this happens, it feels like instantly there's a spokesperson who's like, oh yeah, it was Debris. Yeah, definitely Debris. And it's like- Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just, mean, they were very quick off yeah, the Yeah, it's like, it, yeah. you just sound like you're covering your own back there, which yeah. I don't think helps the situation. Yeah, um, it's, it would have been better for them to say, well, we need to go away and look at the data and then we can establish what caused exactly, the yeah. tire to lose yeah. pressure. That's what you, that's the line. That's, that's the yeah, exactly. sort of, down, down the it's line, not, line it's just not a good look for anyone either is it like it's not good for f1 to see cars having big accidents like that because of tire failures it's obviously not good mm. for the people involved it's not exactly good advertising for pirelli like if you were off no. the day after that race to go and buy a new set of tires and you saw p0s on the shelf you're probably going to keep looking down the aisle aren't you like <laughs> i mean mo- most people are not buying p0s anyway though to be fair yeah that's <laughs> that's very that's true pretty ex- pretty expensive tire just a little bit um the the other thing i'd say in their defense is that these cars have got a lot more downforce and putting a lot more pressure on 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 on, on any set of tires than what any previous formula one car ever really has other than yeah. when you go back to like the crazy crazy days of like sort of um movable suspension and stuff like that like these cars are definitely piling on the downforce in a way that i don't think previous generations of formula one car have yeah yeah i mean just look at the lap times you know yeah it's totally true it's um but then again it's their job to build a tire that can withstand that and but you you, what i'm saying is I, i wonder if the the level of downforce that these cars have has outgrown the capability mm-hmm. of the technology that uh, just tire technology across the board yeah because like I mean, this kind of tire you know a, a rubber bag with air in it which is effectively <laughs> what it is is it is that you, you just cannot mitigate against like debris especially when there's like that amount of force being put onto it so are the cars more prone to to puncturing tires because a small piece of debris that doesn't necessarily have to be particularly sharp suddenly becomes much more dangerous when you're pressing on it that much harder if you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. Like the forces involved are that much bigger um the kind some of the sort of early analysis that i've seen seems to think that the failures happened at the the shoulder of the tire so where the the tread meets the sidewall. That seems to be the point where it's, that's always going to be a weak point because that's where two parts have been joined together. And it seems like that's the bit that is failing under, under these circumstances. But again, we'll have to wait and see what Pirelli go away and come yeah. back with. Well, yeah. And let's not get too deep into tire yeah. talk either because no one's that interested in it. I will <laughs> say kind of along this subject, you have to give a lot of respect to uh, Jonathan Wheatley, who's the sporting director at uh, Red Bull, for the radio message we heard actually on the broadcast um, to race control to tell them straight away that like we had no warning here. You should probably red flag this because it could happen to someone else. And at that time, hmm. a red flag was probably the worst thing that could happen for the rest of Red Bull's race. Like they'd have been much happier at that point just to either stop the race completely or let it just run the last few laps under the safety car. But you know they they put I mean, the, the advantage first and said the right thing. There is an advantage though that if that red flag 
occurs and then they don't restart the race, Max Verstappen is technically the winner. I did. Just, just to put that hypothetical out there. I did think the same thing, but I think they technically, because I think after Max had crashed, he slid over the start-finish line. And I think because they did a lap or two of safety car as well, technically they'd covered enough laps that count back wouldn't have kept worked for him, I don't think. Right. Also um, still wasn't Perez in the lead then at that point anyway. So they would have still won the yeah, race. Yeah, they would, they would still won the race with a Red Bull with driver. a different car. Yeah. yeah, but that's what I mean. So it's like, kind of in the, in their interest. To well, stop not really, because a red yeah, a red flag regardless. a red flag yeah. meant a grid restart, which, as we nearly saw, mm. nearly cost them the race. It meant well, it meant a grid restart, or it meant the end of the race. Yeah, because they they could have they could have just as easily elected not to restart the race. But I'm, yeah. I'm obviously yeah. very pleased that they did. They could, the but mm. I don't think I, I don't think that's what was going through their mind when they sent that message. I think that no. was a very genuine like this is what needs to be done for safety reasons. And mm. I can respect you've, that. You've, you've got so much more faith in these formula <laughs> teams than I have, Chris. I mean, I think there is an element of it, though, where it's more a concern for the driver that they've still got in the race yeah, at totally. the time than, than anything. Because they don't want the same thing happening to the other car if they suspect that you know it is debris down that main straight or something. Yeah. And it was a mess. It was. Um, I guess that brings us to Mercedes, who, as you very accurately, accurately predicted last week, didn't have a very good time in Baku. They, <laughs> yeah, they were just so off the pace, basically until qualifying when Hamilton managed to find enough to get on the front row. Um, when they took this, when they turned the engine up, and Hamilton finally showed up. To the race basically, weekend. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But even then, despite that. It always looked like he was going to lose out to the Red Bulls. Like that Mercedes car just didn't work around there, like we're used to seeing mm. it. Um, I mean, Bottas was just nowhere. Um, they they went up for different setups on the two cars in the end, and Bottas had higher downforce, which just I mean, he just went backwards in the race, didn't he? It was yeah, yeah. I, it just it always seems like a crazy choice to me that a circuit like this. This one always like I mean we've joked and as many other sectors of the community have calling it like Monzaco mm-hmm. like because it yeah. is it's like ridiculously long fast straights quick well no sorry hard stops into corners that do need downforce but the compromise is made to make yourself as like slippery as you can down those long high speed straights but then it's got walls like Monaco like that's that's all it yeah. is I, I just I just can't see the philosophy of a high downforce setup working with because ultimately it's three that you've got here. Bit where like you're you, get overtaken. There's an argument for sector two, I guess, but yeah, exactly that. There's an argument for sector two, but the majority of the lap time is going to be made in one and three, probably. Mm. Well, you're never winning the race with that setup. No, that's for sure. You might salvage a decent result from that kind of uh setup though because they 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 already knew they were gonna struggle in that car i think in mercedes so if they were probably thinking if he's going to be in the pack and he's going to be sort of um slipstreaming a lot then that's where the you know if you as long as you're behind other cars yeah then you're not yeah. losing so much pace because you're able to keep up with them through the slipstream down the straight um whether or not you can get past them is another thing they're obviously banking on him 
they need him to be able to keep up through the twisties in order to get by, by him on the straight. And if they're thinking he's got DRS, then mm-hmm. he ought to be able to use that to his advantage to move through the field. Yeah. But it just didn't work out that way for him, did it? I would also yeah, I wager there when, when you them. consider DRS, but you, you've got to be near someone, haven't you, for it to work? Yeah, that's so. it. Yeah, it, it, this is exactly my point. It just didn't work out. Like that. Yeah. I, I, I expect that would be the thinking, but it's just not how it played out. I'd wager they were probably also expecting him to qualify a bit better than he did, which would have helped matters as well. But yeah, um, I feel bad for the guy at the moment. He's really struggling. He's going through a tough old time, isn't he? Yeah. Have you yeah. still got all your like Bottas hats and stuff, Chris, or have you like thrown them in the bin? And... I mean, I've only, <laughs> only got one. I've only got one hat. <laughs> all those caps. All those one cap. I mean, to be fair, with what it costs for one of those caps, as we always say, <laughs> yeah, you could have had like quid. ten, ten normal hats. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, despite all of that, Hamilton probably could and arguably should have won that race because he got a much better start mm-hmm. after the red flag um, and was well up the inside of Perez to... I mean, he should have won that race, which is... We, we've said it a few times this season already. Hamilton winning races, he has no business winning. And this was... Yeah, said it myself. Looking very much like another one of those. Um, but obviously, as we know, that didn't happen. Um, he... Uh, when he was sort of side by side with Perez hit the brake magic button by mistake. Um, brake magic is essentially something they use uh, under safety cars and on warm-up laps to aid with uh, brake temperatures and tyre temperatures. Uh, I've actually seen someone who went frame by frame through the onboard. The normal brake balance he would have should have had going into turn one was 51% forward. When he accidentally hit that button, it changed to 86.5% forward. Ooh. So it's no surprise that the second he hit the brakes, the fronts just went, nah. Yeah. No mm. thanks. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah. I thought the brake, because it's called brake magic, I thought it was going to be something crazy. Like it um, turns off the regen braking and makes it, it all... It's that as well. It's, it, it's partially brake balance, partially regen settings, apparently. Obviously, we don't know the exact things, but that's what people yeah, generally course. seem to think it is. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting, though, because it is a system that they've used since the start of the hybrid era as far as I know or very early on in it because I've seen pictures this week and since this of Rosberg's cockpit with a little little thing yeah with a little sticker saying during a standing restart use brake magic on the way Mm -hmm. to the grid but behind a safety car don't use it and it's like a little reminder sticker that he had but obviously the last time he was racing was 2016 so he's in theory he's been on the car since at least then yeah so Um, it's not like he's something new it's just that i think this is like the first time it's become such a big talking point because it's so obviously something that's happening it's fun because it just shows you you can throw all the money and all the expertise and all the genius at a formula one car and you, as soon as you put a bag of meat in it, it fumble it, the wrong button. It, it, yeah, it just all you have to do is push the wrong button, yeah. and yeah. you you've made a right. You, you've ruined your race. Yeah. Like it's it's really crazy aspect of the sport that I absolutely love. Because there's these radio clips of when Russell was in the Mercedes last year, and uh, like Bono was having to kind of coach him through how to use it because it's something that most teams don't have that system. Um, yeah. And in fact, I don't know if you remember one of Russell's pit stops in Sakia. He like locked mm. up and ran way too long in his pit box. And 
the reason for that apparently was because he had left break magic turned on so again when he came into his pit box it was like 80 odd percent break bias Ooh. to the front and he just locked up and slid straight into his yeah. pit box on on on, on tired tires as well. yeah yeah um yeah yeah i mean it's you know, do you want some stats actually do you want a, do you want a stat attack because there's a lot of stat stats as well uh, so that ends Hamilton's 54 race point scoring streak, which is wow, insane. Uh, it's the first time since Spain 2013 that Hamilton has finished a race but not scored any points. First time since USA wow. 2012 that both Mercedes finished a race and were both outside of the points, which was back to the Schumacher and Rosberg years. Yeah. Nine years yeah. ago. Pre- Pretty hybrid. Uh, first race since Japan 2013 that neither Hamilton, Verstappen, or Bottas scored a point. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty insane. sure Verstappen was karting in 2013. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, this one's crazy. Perez is the only driver now in the turbo hybrid era, so that's since 2014, to win a race for two different teams. And he's only the second driver to win a race in the turbo hybrid era with two different engine manufacturers. The other being Verstappen, who's obviously won with Renault and Honda now. And Honda, yeah. Wow. Oh, very good stats, Chris. You've yeah. outdone yourself today. Thank you very much. I I do believe I'm right in saying that this podium is the first time of that combination of nations on the podium as well. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, a, Me- a Mexican, a German, and well, what else am I missing there? Uh, Gasly, French. Well, <laughs> French, there we go. But yeah, I believe that's the first time that those three nations have stood on an F1 podium together. <laughs> I think, it, or at it, least it's in that. It's the first time in that order. If yeah. it's not the first time it's ever happened. It makes Perez the most successful Mexican driver of all time as well. Uh, if you count wins and podiums, anyway. Uh, nice. Yeah, it's a weird one. Like we went into this thing, like wondering how it was going to change the championship battle, and it just hasn't. Um, no, it's <laughs> yeah, so bizarre. It's done nothing. <laughs> like they both didn't finish. Well, they both didn't well, finish in the points. <laughs> Bottas has dropped down a couple of places. I think um, Sergio. It's Perez very has generous gone of you to places. consider Bottas in the championship battle <laughs> at all, <laughs> Chris. And... I guess like the the way the way you quantify this is actually Perez has brought himself in. Yeah, the if anything. Yeah, I'd say so. That's that's the conclusion of of sort of of that question yeah yeah it's it's yeah it's a weird one um well, a few other drivers to mention i guess um are a ferrari actually quick now because we came away from the last race thinking oh they're good in s- slow stuff which is why they did well in monaco but there's a lot of not slow stuff at all mm. and they i mean qualifying and practice they were i mean they were the fastest there's no there's no other way of putting it what happened at the end of qualifying? Remind me. There was um, a red flag, wasn't there? It stops everyone doing their second runs. Yeah. Again. Like, yeah, again. I, I, two races in a row. Two races in a row. Leclerc ends up on pole due to a red flag. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, not, uh, not just because of that. It's just he happened to be there. Yeah. Like, it stopped everyone's second runs two, two races in a row. I think given where Leclerc started and given where he finished and given that there were two retirements as well mm-hmm. ahead of him, no, I don't think Ferrari are quick now. I think- <laughs> I'm, my thinking is sort of leaning towards maybe they're starting to find something that... I think they're getting better. Yeah, I think they're starting to find something when the car's at low fuel, maybe. 
and they need need to translate that into race pace. Yeah. Because they have looked quick in like Chris was saying practice and obviously the last couple of quality sessions as well. But you don't know what fuel they're running in practice and they could easily be running quite low fuel for the most part. Mm. Um and then the way that the Leclerc struggled, um and I mean signs struggled with the handling of the car a little bit once it was full of fuel than in the race. So maybe there's something there that they've, they've just got to get the finger on to get the race pace right. I don't know. Yeah, because it, it was like after he held the lead into turn one, it was just kind of a matter of time at that point, wasn't it? Yeah. Do you see how yeah. he actually lost the lead, like the events leading up to that? In what sense? Um, so is it was turn 15 the one there are a load of incidents at? Yeah. 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 On the run to turn 15, a bit of tree fell on the track. He um, saw it, dodged out the way of it, and in the process cut the corner. So because he didn't want to get a penalty for corner cutting, backed off a little bit. And as a result, Hamilton had a, was able to get much closer to him into the last couple of corners to get a run on him to take the lead. Huh. Um, I mean, he, Hamilton was always going to get past him sooner or later. But yeah, it was a bit of tree that fell on the track that actually kind of set off the uh, series of events, which was weird. D- didn't that damage the front of Hamilton's... Yes, he did because well. he ran over it. Um, that yeah, there was a massive gash in the wing, wasn't there? Like at the red flag, they changed his nose. Yeah, yeah, and they switched the nose cone, didn't they? Yeah, so Leclerc dodged it. I think Hamilton slammed into it, and in the process, knocked it off the track. So because yeah. I was it, when the Verstappen first... dodged it as well. Yeah, because but... initially I was expecting a safety car or something so someone could get on the track and recover it, but I think it just got nerfed out of the way. <laughs> it's so cr- this race just froze up the I know. bizarre, so <laughs> weird. <laughs> It's weird as well, isn't it? Because after the very, very first one, everyone was all, yeah, we shouldn't have done this. This was a bad idea. And then ever since, it's been a pretty entertaining race, like with that first one yeah, being an exception. Yeah, it really has. Fuels so. um, to mention, Norris had a decent recovery for fifth. He lost a load of places at the start, but clawed his way back to fifth. Uh, Alonso, I think, went from something staff like 10th to 6th in the last two laps, I think. Yeah, finished 6th, um, yeah. Alpine definitely looked better. They, they're they closing the gap up as well, I think. Yeah, Probably it's such club. a shame Ocon, Ocon um, had his retirement. I yeah. think he would have been right in the mix. Yeah, with, he would, because... Um, he would have been up there. Where did he start? He was... 12th. 12th he started, Vettel. yeah, and Alonso was 8th. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, the fact that Vettel... Was only one ahead of him and finished on the podium. Like I think Ocon, yeah, could well have been well up there. Yeah, yeah. Um, an interesting point at the back uh, end of things. Uh, in all the chaos, Schumacher ended up finishing thirteenth, which actually now moves <laughs> Haas ahead of Williams in the championship standings. Um, oh, mad. Yeah. So a lot of pressure on Williams now to nick a point from somewhere because financially, that's that could have quite big ramifications come end of the season when prize money and win tunnel time and stuff like that gets handed out. Yeah. Um, although they will, uh, they're on, on for a lot of win tunnel time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just about how to use it, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Um, Haas, the end of the race, uh, Schumacher overtaking his teammate. Did you see that? Yes. Yeah. My goodness. He that was. That was a bit hairy, wasn't it? Not particularly pleased. Um no. I mean, that was, it's like we, everyone kind of has a laugh at um, Mazpin for being slow and spinning and whatnot. And he was extremely slow again today. He was, in fact, I think the 
the safety car just about saved him getting lapped by his teammates. That's how slow he was. <laughs> and, you know, it's one thing to just, like, you know, have a laugh at him being slow and spinning, but that he did on the last lap of the race, that's the kind of stuff he used to pull in F2. And that mm. is what he got. I can't really actually... Well, he got enough points for a race ban in the last weekend of the season, didn't he? So he never actually served a race ban. But Yeah, because they, they don't carry over, do they, for no. whatever reason? That's the kind of thing that got him that, and that is why he's not a good person to have on that grid. His defensive driving is so dangerous. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it was scary. Right. So if you if you haven't seen it, um, go on... Um, Twitter and find it. And yeah, um, we, we he, retweeted he, it, didn't we, Chris? I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah if you go on our Twitter, you'll see it. He effectively janked over to the right to sort yeah. of scare um, Schumacher into lifting. But yeah. Schumacher, being the legend that he is, just being kept a his racing foot in. driver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, being a racing driver, just yeah. kept his foot in. But like, and um, he got the move done. But you don't do me, that. At- what? 200 miles an hour. Yeah, best part of 200 at that point. Yeah, easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Terrifying. Um, one other thing I want to talk about, which I'm slightly hesitant to go into because it it's very easy to sit and be critical from your armchair at what is a very difficult job to do. But I want to talk a bit about the race direction this weekend, which we've touched on it over the past couple of years on and off. I mean, the first, I guess the first question is, should they should the race have even been restarted at the end for those last two laps? Because so Sam Van Houten in the inbox said, um, I'm happy they did it, but should they have done that knowing we had two carbon copy tire explosions? Uh, a number of drivers as well were expressing concerns about doing a restart on cold tires for the sake of two laps. <clears throat> I mean, um, I'm, well, I'm, I'm amazed they didn't just run the last three or four laps behind the safety car. I'm surprised they didn't do that. I was fully yeah. expecting them to just end it under the safety car. Having said that, um, it is a what, however many lap race. Um, 51 should be a full lap yeah. race. Race distance. I'd quite like to see as many of those 50. Well, first of all, I'd like to see all of the 51 laps ran. Um, and the more of them can be run at racing speed it's a formula one race so the more that can be run yeah, at racing which speed is... the better you sign up to do that many laps so yeah. i don't see an issue i think after you've just seen two very scary crashes it, it makes let's stick them all back on the grid with stone cold tires after the tracks rubbered into half of them are going to get a much better start than the others it feels like you're throwing a lot of mm. risk in for the sake of two laps um i don't know uh, I don't know. I think that you know they're all putting fresh tires on for the for the restart. So any sort of vulnerabilities from old tires would have been taken out of the mix at that point. Um, yeah, you, the, the the to be fair, I mean Hamilton got the best start of the lot, and he was on the dirty side. So I guess it wasn't that big a difference. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, there's a, there's there's loads of runoff at the start as well like you know they're all none of them have got death wishes like they're not going to do anything to kill themselves so no one's going to no one's going to deliberately crash into anyone like that they're no, race drivers so they're going to race it's, it's more the tire failures like, thing that i think is the bigger issue like there's clearly something out there that's caused two tire failures and gouged a great big uh, hole in hamilton's like who's to say yeah. someone else is going to hit that same bit um, 
So Michael Massey said... I guess if you're driving... Yeah, if, I, I, I can see your point, actually. Like, if you're driving and you've just seen that happen to two of your well, colleagues, I guess you could call them, yeah. competitors. Um, they're, they're just as much colleagues as they are competitors because there's only 20 of them. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, I can see how there'd be a, a, a sense of what am I getting myself in for? What, you know, a sense of risk. But then they don't think like that, do they? But yeah, I mean, we're normal people. Like, I don't think yeah. they're, they're not normal. They don't think like that. Like they think, give me a chance to improve my result in this race and I'll take yeah. it. And I think if you went up and down the grid and asked every driver that it, that was left on that grid at the time, you're basically going to have probably a 50-50 split. You're going to have a bunch of guys who see an opportunity that want it and a bunch of guys who see a risk to be overtaken and lose a position yeah. or something and don't want it. So I think everybody in that situation is going to have a very selfish Oh, opinion, yeah, whenever you hear a driver say, oh, we need a red flag or, oh, we don't, like, they've always got their own race in the back of their mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think one thing that bothered me about is it, um, so Michael Massey, in, in response to the criticism, said... Uh, looking with the number of laps to go, the recovery that was being undertaken, and the fact there was so much debris on the pit straight, at that point it was, in my opinion, the best option to suspend the race, clean everything up, and then have a race finish. Fair enough. He then said, we thought it was in the best interest of the sport to suspend and then restart in that circumstance. And I just don't think that's hmm. his job. The best interests of the sport are not his job. Safety is his job before anything else. We had the same conversation after mm. in Magella last year when the safety car got called in with like next to no notice and people accused him of like trying to do things to spice up the racing, which he very um, strongly denied. But I don't know. I just... It does seem... It's a strange comment. It's, it's a, a very strange, strange comment. Yeah, it's, it's the wording of it, isn't it? And I think the thing this weekend that concerned me even more is... So when Stroll crashed, it took over 30 seconds for the safety car to be called, um, at which point loads of guys had gone past. Uh, you know, it was under yellows, but you know, yeah. they're still traveling the fairway. I mean, Stroll sounded really scared on the team radio. He was like... Yeah, he did. He really did. Get this race stopped. I think he was a bit shocked as well. Oh, yeah, like. totally. Um, when Verstappen crashed, it took nearly 20 seconds for them to even wave double yellows and then a minute and a half for the safety car to come out. So the whole field had gone past him at, again, he was under yellow, so not full speed, but, you know, a decent enough speed. And Perez was actually mm. back at the start of the, like, flat out, Not it's not straight, it's wiggly, but he was back at the start of that section on the way back around again before the safety car got called. Like, Leclerc on the radio was livid that he was dri driving around saying, why has this not been red flagged yet? And mm. that's just really bizarre to me. Like... You've got a guy in a car that's stationary at the side of the road. He's got to get his belts off to get out of it. Like, what if someone else had had a failure at the same time and speared off yeah. in the same direction? All, like... all, all through the debris. That's Because, I mean, we're talking about the fact that debris could have quite easily contributed to these two mm. failures. So it could still be there. It, well, yeah, well, more debris and then there's also now, the, yeah. the extra, yeah. Like, those, those shards of carbon fibre are ridiculously sharp. Like, yeah. I mean... It might, it might not sort of seem it like the thing it's is like glass, isn't it? Yeah, it's, mm. it's. I'm just trying to think of the best way to like kind of put this for I guess a more a more casual spectator. But the thing is like that that carbon fiber in a particular 
direction with a particular load is extremely strong, one of the strongest things that you'll find. But taking that head-on impact like a front wing into a, a wall or something, it breaks because in that direction is where it's it's most brittle like it's yeah so it's like the way that it's designed and the way that the fibers are woven over each other means that like it's kind of strong in one direction but not necessarily going to have the same strength in the other direction but that it's means that, think that of wood grain like when it when yeah you, when you saw through wood like when you saw with the grain it's if you've ever sawn wood <laughs> probably most of our listeners haven't um <laughs> <laughs> like if you saw, if, I don't know what you you're insinuating. With, if, if you saw with the grain, it's a lot easier. If you saw against the grain, then yeah. maybe steak's a better one to do. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's compare. For We've, all nice We've all had a nice steak. We've all had a steak. Yeah, I guess. I guess the point that we're ultimately trying to get to is carbon fiber is very sharp, especially when it's been like shattered into pieces, like what a front wing does when it hits a wall. So. Yeah, it's, it's just a. It feels like a very like dangerous, risky scenario it's, to be putting people in for so long. Yeah, and again, like to go back to what I said at the start, it's really easy to criticize. It's a very difficult job, and there's a lot of moving parts that he has to deal yeah. with. But I don't know about you guys, but I <clears throat> I don't feel like it's as safe a sport now as it was when Charlie Whiting was running the show. And Charlie Whiting wasn't perfect. He, you know, made mistakes and stuff as well. But I just don't mm. think Michael Massey... And they're big shoes to fill, but they're also very important shoes to fill. Yeah. And... I think I think the delay in the decision is is an issue. Like, yeah. I think they probably need more people in that It kind of smacks of dithering, too. doesn't it? It's like, oh, yeah. what do I do? And in that, by the time you're thinking that, you don't actually do anything. Like... Yeah. I mean, there are a few people... They, they were probably having conversations, figuring out, precedents and but you know the level of experience isn't there that was there yeah completely years ago so obviously like when you don't have as much experience it's a bit more difficult to come to a, a fast conclusion as to what you're supposed to do um i i think it'll get better but you know i i think i it's 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 a weird one. Like it is. It's a diff- unless you're in that room and you know what's going on. I think it's really really hard to judge. I I wouldn't I wouldn't like to hazard a guess really. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. put myself out I mean, there for that one. I is isn't that also what the VSC is supposed to be for as well though? Like while you're making that decision, whether it's a full safety car or a red flag, send out a VL, VSC. It just temporarily neutralizes yeah. the race. The tools are all there, aren't they? Yeah. Aren't they? Yeah, um, I guess like yeah, okay. So I I would go as far as to say that they should have been faster. They should have maybe they should have used the tools that they have yeah. a little bit more effectively to um to neutralize and to make safe the situations that had occurred. I think that's uh, that's fair to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. it's. It's just a bit of a worry, ultimately. I don't want to go. Uh, yeah, we can't. We shouldn't really be too critical, though, because it's very difficult. It is. It is very difficult. There's no. There's no denying that. Um, a quick. I'm going okay. to bring up a quick one from live chat. By the way, uh, Paul said, um, "Do you think Silverstone's a worry if the tires have struggled in Baku? Because obviously, we do yeah. see failures." Uh, fairly often at Silverstone. I mean, infamously, most recently, Lewis finishing 
We have three wheels on the wagon. Three wheels, mm. yeah. us having similar problems. That reminds me of something I want to mention earlier, actually. Um, so this weekend we had softer tyres um, than we have in previous years at this circuit, which is something Prelli have been doing a lot over the last few years to try and, you know, add a bit more strategy. They'll go a step softer yeah. on the tyres. The trouble is they only ever go one step softer. And all that ever really means is all the teams do the calculations, still work out that one stop is the fastest way to do it. So they'll just push the tires as long as they possibly can to have to not have to make a second stop. And I think if they're going to do this, then they need to start like going two steps softer. And at which point pushing a set of tires to one stop just becomes an impossibility. You have to do two stops. Like if you want to try and push two stop strategies, then force it. Don't go for this half or even have like a gap in the compounds. Cause they always go like C2, C3, C4 or C3, C4. Why not have like C2, C4 and five or something like that. Like leave some gaps to Mm. try and. I think if you do that, if you, if you have C2, C4, C5, then you will just get one stops because everyone. Yeah. I'll be honest, when I said that, I forgot which direction was hard and which was soft, so I just picked three numbers at random. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, I think there's an element of this, though, as well, that, it, I mean, we see we see cars and drivers doing Pirelli test days. So, like, I think we've seen Hamilton and Leclerc both doing one recently with those new 18-inch mm-hmm. rims. Um, but we don't see, I don't think we necessarily see that often enough. Like and the the tracks that they test at, like they don't test anywhere that's remotely like Baku. Like, is there not no. something to be said for the amount of testing that Pirelli get? That I mean, whether that's that Pirelli is somehow provided with a, 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 a like a current spec vehicle to test with an independent driver, mm. whether that's that every team at some point will be guaranteed to do at least one Pirelli run and try and get more of a variety of circuits in. And I know it's not the easiest thing to organize, but I think it's sometimes you might, I I feel for Pirelli in the fact that it's, I know it's not that they're stabbing in the dark, but I feel like they don't have like all the data to the hand themselves, let alone being able to pass it on to the teams as as to what they expect the tires to do. So, but then I'm, surely they, they must have the expertise enough to factor in mitigating circumstances, though. Like there must be a margin that they can that will build into that. I, I think they're able to provide that, but I, I, I just think that maybe something like this highlights the fact that those tires aren't put through this kind of situation very often, if at all. It's like here in Bonza, probably, and that's about it. And it's yeah. You do, you know, like the teams are always the first to complain when something goes wrong with the tyres, but they also all seem extremely reluctant to put any resources into actually helping Pirelli test them. And like, there's, I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying there's like mandated tyre testing days that teams have to take part in these days. And maybe that needs to get pushed further. And like you say, some like go to actually more representative circuits because they normally use like Jerez or something, which is F1 hasn't been there in decades at this point like or barcelona yeah which we know is like yeah fair enough we do a lot of testing there anyway but what are you going to learn from a track I mean, that we visit so much in a single go, season go to silverstone that's where we've seen the vast majority yeah. of tire issues in recent years just make the team that's a very good idea make the teams go, go there 
and do go some to the place where testing. they break the most. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the, most teams are based within a five-minute drive of Silverstone. Yeah, exactly. I mean, one's based inside Silverstone. <laughs> <laughs> so, the trouble is, like, Pirelli aren't, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. I, <laughs> I think the. <sighs> The toughest thing for Pirelli is people only talk about tyres when they fail. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, nobody talks the, about the them any other time. Is, they're the most boring thing you can. They're, they're the most boring component on a Formula One car. Everyone's got tyres. Everyone at home's got tyres. We all know what they look like. And they're round, <laughs> and they go on your wheels, and that's about where the interest stops, isn't it? Yeah. Until they blow up and cause crashes. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it's 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 rough for Pirelli. Um. Yeah, I don't think people want to sit here and listen to us talk about tyres either for, for this amount of time. So. <laughs> I mean, on that note, then I'm just going to make you both pick drivers of the day. Yeah, let's do that. So Tricky one this week. Very tricky one this week. I mean, week. My, my gut felt Vettel. When, when Vettel ended up on that podium in second place, my, like, that was just my go-to. Like, obviously, there was... Do great drives from all three of the drivers that are on the podium. Mm -hmm. But I think from outside the top 10, playing that strategy, finding his form again in a team that's not been that strong up until recently, um, I'm well chuffed with Vettel's performance this weekend. I mean, he won the official, official driver. Yeah, it was like 40% as well. One. He wasn't even close. <laughs> oh, yeah, so is that two, two races in a row that he's won it? <laughs> oh, well, did, you hear, he the, in Monaco, didn't did he? you hear the radio thing after the race as well? Which yes, one? I did. Um, of course, I they've did. started doing the Formula E thing of someone talking to the drivers, like on the cool down uh, lap, to say, "Congrats, you won driver of the day." It was um, Rachel Brooks, I think, um, and he seemed no, Rosanna. It was Rosanna. Oh, sorry, yeah, Rosanna. Um, and he sounded a little bit surprised. I don't think he was expected to happen. And then he was like, "How did you get my number?" <laughs> I mean, that's that's like classic Seb Wit, though, isn't it? Yeah. That, I've, as much as I've disliked him at times that has always been one person part of personality that he's had consistently and he's that like quick wit and humor mm. especially especially when dealing with the press that's what i think that's when he's at his best with it um but yeah he also you can um, picture the, the smirk on his face can't you yeah saying yeah that sort of stuff. he also congratulated perez by saying feliz navidad which definitely isn't how you say congratulations in spanish <laughs> yeah, that's like happy birthday I think, it's isn't Fel it? like, feliz navidad is happy christmas yeah it's merry, merry christmas, christmas. Is it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, I think for for a bit of balance, I'm going to say Perez is an extremely close second, but we don't mm. hide the fact that we all really like Sebastian Vettel here, so <laughs> I'm not going to pretend I'm not going to like Can I give it to Hamilton for not winning the race? <laughs> <laughs> Driver of the day for that lockup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, but I think it's... Officially, is Vettel, but your honorary mention is <laughs> Hamilton Lewis. for not winning. Yeah, Hamilton for giving us the best podium we've had for ages. Yeah, I'll take that. Uh, what about a move of the day? There, you, could, you could give him this move of the day, locking up straight into turn one. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, <laughs> the two standouts for me was the two that people in the um, Discord chat while we were watching live sort of pointed at for drive of the day was Perez getting around the outside of Gasly I think it was on the opening lap at turn four 
Um, yeah. And then Gasly's sort of side by side with uh, Leclerc in the last couple of laps, and he's kind of defense of third place. Yeah. With the two standouts. I think the Perez early one. I think that's what I'm leaning towards as well. Probably the one that stood out the most yeah, for me. Yeah, I think so. As well, like the, the gravity of it. I always say this, but the gravity, when a move has such gravity to it, like it would have been a much more difficult race if he'd got stuck behind that. Yeah, he driver, wouldn't have won, so. would he? he yeah, was, exactly. Yeah. That was like a race-making move. Mm. So yeah, I'd yeah. give that to Perez. Cool. And then last bit of that for this week. Honestly, what the f*** are we doing here? Keep it light, Chris. Keep it light. All right. <laughs> um, do you know why... Chris already had his, hasn't he? <laughs> do you know why Verstappen had to change his tyres before the race? To get no. to the other side. Oh, no, no. <laughs> so, but I, literally, I thought he was going down the road there for a second myself as well. So, Verstappen um, didn't start the race on the tyres he qualified on. He was allowed to change them to a similarly worn set of the same compound. The reason was, at the end of qualifying, he got pulled into the Weybridge. Or the end of Q2, I guess it would have been. He got pulled into the Weybridge. You know where they, in front of the podium, and they have all the, the business painted on the floor and the big screens and stuff. The Weybridge yeah, was I mean, set up there. And as he drove over the fancy paint stuff to get to the Weybridge, a load of the oh. paint stuck to his nice, hot, sticky tyres. So when they took them off, there was just like paint stuck all over the tyres so Red Bull went to the FIA and were like yeah we ain't starting a race on these they're like yeah okay you can put some new ones on so that's a WTF <laughs> is sticking that, the Weybridge on some paint that comes off the floor yeah yeah I've seen that in the past the paint come up onto the tyres yeah. the tyres are so sticky it's testament to how blooming sticky the tyres are so yeah. if you're listening and you're thinking about buying a set of Pirellis <laughs> <laughs> definitely we've talked you out of them and now back into them yeah yeah full <laughs> circle Ring theory, podcast ring theory is what I call that. <laughs> I mean, I think the is it is it Mazepin third? That's what with the move, deal. the defense, yeah, yeah nearly yeah, causing yeah. an almighty crash over thirteenth place. Yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, yeah. if we if we're moving away from things, Chris has already had a mega rant about. I think it's that. <laughs> It's been a bit of a Chris Ranty episode, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah right, right. I've not, I don't know what's got into him. I had to get off my chest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he probably would be the Mazepin lack of defence. Yeah. I think I'm going to I'm gonna side with the paint for this one. You're going to go paint? Like, yeah, I'm going to go paint. I mean, I, I, yeah, that, I, I agree with you, Tom. I absolutely agree mm. with you. I think it is a super, super WTF. You just don't want to give it him, do you? Yeah, I don't want to. Well, yeah, we shouldn't really. like. He it, it, it gets enough stick as it is, and he's probably got enough grief on the internet already for it. I'm, I'm, so, I'm writing it down. I'm going to put Max's painty tyres. There we go. Painty tyres there. That's Episode a good title like candidate right there. <laughs> Max's painty tyres. Uh, what about takeaways? Like, how? Wow, I mean, we, we've kind of discussed a couple of them. And one of mine would have been where do we think Ferrari are realistically? But we've kind of talked yeah. about that. The fact that, I mean, me personally, I think they've got light fuel pace, but not race pace, hmm. which should hopefully improve as the season goes on. But I think. So, if we each, shall we each pick one takeaway each? <laughs> Yeah, I've got, I've got one that's outside of that. That would have originally been one if we'd not talked about it. But my, my other one would have been, I feel like Aston Martin have 
started to get on top of that car and mm-hmm. Vettel could well be a contender for like leader of the midfield in for the remainder of the season essentially mm. i feel like there's a good chance of strong things stay the same, if, if they stay the same way, yeah provi- providing they stay on the same trajectory and nobody else obviously ha- finds some insane gain somewhere or anything like that or they don't drop off but if things continue as they are then i think vettel could be a strong contender for that sort of you know regular fifth place kind of in that sort of so where norris is yeah where norris has been early in the season like imagine a norris Norris yeah norris v vettel for the remainder of the championship (laughs) i like that that i'd I'd, I'd pay to see that yeah um takeaway what's your takeaway chris do you have a takeaway for um i think the one for me is like after portugal and spain it was starting to look like mercedes had got the legs on red bull and that like even though the Red Bull is a quick car, they Mercedes just had enough to outmaneuver them and outrace them and, and everything. After these last two races, I think it's clear that it's just going to keep swinging race on race, and that Mercedes still has its issues that certain tracks are going to highlight. And the, the fear I had that the gap was actually just going to keep growing throughout the season, I think this is going to swing backwards and forwards all year now. And I'm. Okay very much here for it <laughs> so you're so you're saying a a slogging match between those two essentially that's kind of what it's starting to look like my takeaways um a couple of things i mean the 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 honda engine is right up there now that's my takeaway for them yeah. to come to a circuit like this yeah. and to win the way they did quite comfortably won um both cars in the mix all race complete and utter control of the race once they got into the front to and then to fight and get into the front in the first place yeah um you need really really good power around this circuit in order to do that and yeah the, i would say the honda engine for me at the moment especially when you consider where gasly finished and where yeah. um sonoda Sonoda had a decent race as well. I think that that Honda engine's nothing to worry about. As long as it can stay in one piece for the rest of the season, then mm. that's right up there with the Mercedes engine. If not, maybe, dare I say it, maybe even a little bit better. Um, I said it. I just said you did. It. You did say it. Could it. well be. You dared. I think, so. is, it, is it maybe that they've finally caught up? Maybe. They're probably like, on, I'd say maybe on par with each other and Honda have finally closed that gap, I think. So you think they're on a par? I would say that they're about there. And what you sometimes see in race on race at the moment is two excellent drivers, one in each team, with two fairly on par engines and two different aero philosophies. And that's why we may be seeing a bit of this back and forth because you've got two of the best drivers on the grid by far you've got two of the best engines on the grid by far now and you've got like just a difference in aero philosophy which is meaning that the race in between those two is much closer and there are like those little ebbs and flows where suddenly the red bulls the better car and mercedes have been able to capitalize on the strengths that they do still have in certain scenarios i'm just very surprised that they weren't able to do that here 
that's the thing that surprised me is that Mercedes haven't been able to capitalize with that aero difference here of all places. Yeah. Hmm. <clears throat> Yeah, I think it's the twisties that caught Mercedes out. That's yeah, that's, mid- that that's the ultimate thing. Like Hamilton was breaking into turn three so much earlier than what Perez and um, mm. Verstappen were. You, you visually was breaking earlier than them. You could see the difference yeah. in the breaking point just from the cameras. So definitely that Mercedes long wheelbase. You know, yeah, the design philosophy of that car is much more about proper racetracks, not really about tight twisty street mm-hmm. circuits and they'll be yeah. so pleased that they're not going to singapore <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes definitely very much so yeah um right i'll run us through some predictions after that um so a point of piece for us this week chris boldly with perez i gotta say i'm Somehow. so happy with that look, look at that grin so happy. i wish i wish other people i wish other people could see chris's <laughs> grin because that is the happiest I've ever seen him with a prediction result <laughs> ever. Not only did I get Perez, I actually said last week Verstappen's going to have some kind of issue that's going to give Perez the win. I absolutely called it. Yeah. It's just a shame I couldn't get any of the rest of them right. So I've actually <laughs> right, just exactly. got one point with you two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Stu, you got the finishes. You went a little bit lower than us, rightly so. And I did originally submit Ocon, apparently, as my first DNF. So I got a point there too. And I was surprised to see that when I came to it today. <laughs> um, in terms of uh, everyone else, I mean, it wasn't that high scoring a week in general, to be brutally honest with you. There were a number of people, all with two points, for various different combinations. Um, a little bit of a special mention to Jonas Pfeiffer and Ben Rowe, who were the only people who had faith in Yuki Sonoda to come in as high as seventh. Um, but yeah, other than that, like it was, it was a very mixed bag for a lot of people. A handful of people put faith in Charles. Another handful of people put faith in Sergio Perez. Um, I mean, he, people with Ocon, like it was just mixed bag all over. Um, so in terms of the overall standings, uh, that sees our top two become exactly that. Um, there, there's a couple now starting to pull away. They are on. 12 points and they are when it eventually loads and shows me <laughs> there we go um alex taskov and o- om lakani i hope i'm saying your name right on but yeah those those two are now on 12 points so gaps are starting to form in mm-hmm. terms of us Stu, you're not that far behind you're 16th you're on nine points only three points back you know you're doing all right chris you're 78th on seven and I am 137th with six, which shows how many people are on <laughs> seven points. So only mm. four points covers the three of us? Yeah. I'll yeah. take that. It's really close. Still really close. Six yeah. races in. It's plenty of time to catch up. Oh, it can all change. Um, if anyone is interested in getting involved, make sure you head to backofthegrid.com where you can register now to be prepared for next race. Um, and obviously, if you've already got an account, that still applies as usual. But it's always worth joining in because if anyone does manage a five out of five on a weekend that's slightly less chaotic than this one, you are in with the chance of winning a prize. And there is obviously one for the end of the season, top finisher as well. Um, should we do some inbox, gentlemen? Yes. Let's do it. Hey man, who's going first? I think I think it's you. Is it me? Okay. Um, Project F1 
So oh, did we decide that? Did oh, we? I did just oh. now. <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, Project F1 says, do you think Rebels' decision to delay a change in power unit will be enough to do damage limitation at the upcoming triple header, which will be more power dependent and hence favoring Mercedes? Merck changed engines in Baku and must be seething with zero points. Thanks. It's a really good point, that actually, isn't it? It's, um, because mm. yeah, mm. they turn up with all new, all new engines for the nice power hungry, uh, first and mm. third sector, and have nothing for it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good for Red Bull that they they're going to have sort of one race younger power units going forward for the rest of the season. Um, have we seen well, yeah, much new it... power unit issues this season yet? Not uh, yet, but. We're only still very early. Probably yeah. won't yet for a yeah. while. But um, it's. I mean, now's now's the time to do it. If you want a fresh engine, you got two. You know, you got uh, what France. You got two Austrias, and then you got France, and then two Austrias, right? Yeah. So, yeah, um, France definitely. You want some good power. They'll probably um, they probably will go with a new power unit for the next race. I would have thought Red Bull. Yeah, I'd imagine um, so. But the, the kind of the inner site, all the components are in a bit of a cycle. They end up in, it's not as simple as just a new power unit anymore, is it? It's like, yeah, they you know, sort of chop and change. Sort of the, match uh, a little bit more than they used to. I do believe yeah, Mercedes had a, a full new one this weekend, though. Yeah, like races like this at Monza, where they tend to go for it. Spa tends to sometimes be one as well, doesn't it, after the summer break? Yeah. Um, tends to be a place that they tend to go for new engines, like circuits like that so but yeah i mean i feel like this might be one of the first times we've sort of felt a situation where honda kind of in hand i guess in that scenario like it's usually merc are always an engine in hand or components in hand and yeah it feels like we might be in a in a position where honda and red bull are in hand which is very interesting yeah I think at the next race, like the next race is probably France is probably the sort of race that is again, I would say, might favour Red Bull again because yeah. you've got long. This I can't believe I'm saying this, but you've got long, long straights and you've got sort of tight, twisty bits where mm. the Red Bull's been really good. Like yeah. there are a few more sort of medium to high speed corners there, though. So I, I think it'll be closer. I do think it'll be closer in France. Um, can I tell you who will have the legs on who? No. You're going to have to next oh. week when we do predictions. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll reserve judgment until then. <laughs> and the next one? Yeah, next, Kay Mengham says, with Bottas's awful race in Baku being sixth in the championship and Perez finding pace, could Mercedes consider a mid-season driver hmm. swap if they lose more ground to Red Bull? George could learn the team before regulation changes and be a perfect wingman to Lewis as he would have no points. I think this is a question that somebody is going to ask at some point every weekend <laughs> that Bottas is not on a podium. It feels yeah. like every week there's like a new rumour comes from a different source. I think it was like yeah. a Dutch F1 commentator this week was like, yeah, yeah. it's definitely tapping. Yeah, he signed the deal. Like, yeah. It, I, just, just, I just don't... Yeah. I don't think it'll happen. I just don't think that's the way Mercedes go about business. And yeah. I think the fact that Toto has used these questions to have a thinly veiled uh, dig at Christian Horner in the past 
I don't think he'd want to go back on that now. He sort of said that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. The way they've been at each other this weekend about flexi wings, which yeah. we've spoken about. Um, we did enough for that last yeah. week. Yeah, we did actually. <laughs> we? Um, um, I don't know, you know. I, I think I'm starting to wonder now, like, because that was a really, really... He had a shocker this race. If Ham- I think if Hamilton had won the race and Bottas had finished where he eventually did... It'd look an awful lot worse for Bottas. It would. Um, mm. So I don't know. I, I think if you're Mercedes and you're, I've said this before. If you're if you're Mercedes and you're in a really really tight battle for the championship, so what, at what point do you swallow your pride and get rid of and go against your entire philosophy <laughs> and get rid of the person who's costing you points in and risk? You've kind of got a known quantity in Russell. Like probably the logic is put Russell in the car, right? But I don't know. There's it, it's not no guarantee though. It's, it's not like, a guarantee. Yes, but what he is had, a guarantee. He had one good race under those circumstances. But what what's slowly becoming a guarantee is that Bottas is not going to score no, you many fair. points. Yeah. So you can at least be guaranteed better results i think at the not not maybe not guaranteed but you can you can expect better results i think it can't get any worse is maybe what you yeah like if if bottas is not scoring points at all like for example this weekend it can't get any worse than that if that's consistently happening the worst it could be is that George Russell continues to not score points for Mercedes. But you, the thing is, you just don't know what's in Bottas's contract, do you? you don't well, know how yeah. Cost no. them. And you don't know what's in Hamilton's contract either. Well, I mean, so... George Russell has a contract at Williams. It's not like they could just say he's yeah. ours yeah. now. They'd have to go and ask Williams for him. And I don't think they'd be in any rush to give him up. Definitely not. He's probably definitely, the best thing that we're going for not. them right now. Yeah. What I love about this entire scenario is... Every week, someone finds a different way to ask the question, and every week, we find a different way to answer it. (laughs) I do still think, though, that Russell will be at Mercedes next year. Yeah, I I think, given this season so far, unless Bottas has some sort of amazing, amazing turn of form, then you'd be mad not to put Russell in the car next year. Yeah. Poor Chris. Um, Oscar, Feld- <laughs> Oscar Felding says, with Singapore cancelled, what are the odds for F1 to go back to Middle Asia? Ooh. I mean... Depends on it, a lot of factors, I think. That yeah, there's a lot of other things at play, but I think given the things that I've seen this week off the back of that news, which, if you didn't know, Singapore has been cancelled for the season. Not according um, to the F1 web- website where I was just looking <laughs> <laughs> well, everywhere other than the official website, <laughs> it has been reported, has been cancelled. I mean, one thing that I've seen that I think could work quite well and would maybe be F1, uh, like Liberty Media or whatever, FOMS kind of choice, would maybe be doing a double header in Texas mm-hmm. um, because they, the Circuit of the Americas have said that they would be happy to host and able to host back-to-back weekends and i think the way that it would fall is that the usgp would stay where it is and they would have availability availability the week before that to do a double header um i think that's how it works do they have multiple circuit layouts um they do but i think it's too small um it basically so after there's the turn 
turn one uphill and back downhill, <clears throat> then turn two is the right-hand sweeper. And then it basically turns left there and kind of rejoins in the stadium section. So it would be way too oh, short. Oh, it would be so short. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it would be pretty You could short. do it in reverse, though. It works in reverse, <clears throat> does, reverse doesn't it, that circuit? Oh, possibly. They might have designed that into it. There's loads of runoff. I think they've designed it to work both that ways. Would be cool. oh, imagine turn one as the final turn, <laughs> then down the hill that'd be cool. into, yeah. into that'd oh, be that'd be epic, insane. I might go run that on a sim game. I did see the weekend, actually. Uh, apparently, there were some people suggesting that they should um, do a double header in America but have a second round at um, Indianapolis. And then someone was like, after what we've just seen happen to tyres, you want to go back to <laughs> India? <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst idea in the world. It's slightly, slightly India-related as well, but I thought you were going to say we could go round Cota again but use the IndyCar line where they just go wherever they want. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> Have one race with track limits and another race of just go wherever you want. Just make it up as you go along. Yeah, I mean, I, Turkey inevitably has been thrown back up, I think, for, for that replacement yeah. as well, hasn't it? And maybe to go back to China because we should have had that this year, should not Should we not? No. No, China's never no. on this year's calendar. China, China wasn't on this year's calendar. It was last year's where it was cancelled yeah. due to the COVID. I mean, so there, there have been like rumblings on and off about Malaysia wanting a race back in the last few years. I think especially with the Patronus connection with Mercedes. Yeah. Um, but I haven't heard or seen any of those rumblings for some time now. So mm. I'd be surprised. Really. I wouldn't mind it. It's a, yeah. it's a good track, Malaysia. I like it. But Yeah, I like Malaysia as well. I've always liked that track. Except yeah. for that penultimate corner. That's a nightmare. Oh, that's a really hard before the long straight. Yeah, the, like a yeah, ever decreasing radius. Yeah, that's a very. It's like is, no. It's really difficult to pick your braking point. Yeah. there's no corner. real apex, and you, yeah. you've got that that weird cone, that weird bollard thing yeah. in the middle yeah, of it, so yeah. that you that's, can see well, the that's, apex. That's your uh, that's your reference. Yeah, point yeah. The corner, isn't it? Yeah, it's that's a really where um, Perez nearly got a nearly got a win in like one of his early seasons. Yeah, Sauber. Sauber. And he, and he, Slithered off wide there, and I think Alonso got past him. Yeah, yeah. It was many Alonso years ago. Him. Yeah, yeah. God, a long yeah. time ago. It's like 2012. Yeah. Um, Memories you came. <laughs> Memories you came, big time. Have you got that one queued up? <laughs> no, certainly not. <laughs> are we doing the next one? Go for yeah. it. Yeah. Um, Brooke Archer says, um, "What are your opinions on Yuki Tsunoda's attitude? Do you think he can be childish when given directions? Obviously, he has skill, but..." to me but he doesn't seem to have respect the driver should for their team i i, I have a, i do have an i actually have an opinion on this Go. Um, a rare opinion <laughs> from stuart Green a rare opinion from me who'd have thunk it <laughs> um i don't think it is, i don't think it is his attitude i think he it's the language barrier i think he when he's under immense pressure of driving a formula one car he is his english isn't quite up to where up to a point where he can speak calmly in yeah. English to someone. So, and and, and, and like, it's, you know, because obviously she's alluding to the fact that she told the end that Yuki told the engineer to shut up yeah. this yeah. weekend. But I think he was just under pressure and didn't know what else to say. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that, that I think that's where my head goes with it. I give him the I benefit mean, of the doubt. Kind of thing. Yeah, I think. It's it's hard to be eloquent in a language that's not even close to your mother tongue in that situation. Like it's yeah. hard to be eloquent in a foreign language at the best of times, let alone in the situation that he's in. 
And I think that like it highlights that there was a, there was a situation where we stuck behind someone and he was saying like this is a paradise. Like you, you can tell that. English traffic is traffic paradise. Yeah. yeah, it was a traffic paradise. <laughs> yeah. Something he called it. I when love that. It, it, like you could you could tell what he was trying to say, but you Yukiisms. We can call them. Yukiisms. Yeah, we'll call them Yukiisms. But that was an example where you you knew what he was trying to say, but you could tell it was hard for him to like find the right words in the moment yeah. with yeah. Exactly. the language barrier. And I think it is just that. Like, and we hear drivers saying to engineers all the time, like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, just let me get on with it, or yeah. leave me alone." Wait, like, We've heard it so many times in the past. And, I mean, people immortalize Kimi Raikkonen for saying, leave me alone, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. So I think it's just... Steering wheel. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a steering wheel. Tell him French steering Tell wheel. Tell the blog the steering wheel. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I think it is more a case of language barrier than disrespect. Yeah, I sure. think he does always seem a bit frantic in the car. And I think I think that's one of the one of the few reasons they've moved him to Italy mm. now to be close to the team. I think he's he started off in testing really well and then he had a sort of rough cup first couple of races and he did seem to kind of I think the pressure maybe got to him or just like he was trying a bit too hard perhaps but mm. he's he's far from the finished product and I think Alpha Terry is a really good place for him to be to kind of get that polish and work on mm. make the most of that and that's one of the reasons I've moved him sort of to be close to the team um, I've seen an interview where they're like he's now got someone coming and getting him up in the morning to um, like take him on a training regime and stuff and he said something like I hated it it was like the worst day of my life I'd, I've, I've never exercised so much mm. in one day in my life <laughs> so they're really um, they're really working on him yeah <laughs> I I I read that and I wonder like how far you go because if you go too far you'd be too knackered to do a Formula One race. Mm-hmm. So what's the limit? Like how do they work out? Well, I mean, yeah, one to research, but how? I wonder how they work out that it's it's one for the personal trainers. I guess. Well, there was um, you know, what's Lando's YouTube thing called? Oh, it's him and a bunch oh. of like other YouTubers and stuff. Yeah, I can't remember. I know what you're talking Quadrants, about. Quadrants, that's what it's called. Yeah. Um, they did a thing recently where one of the other guys, I think he's just a guy who he knows through YouTube, um, basically spent a day with Lando um, and ate all the same things he ate and did all the same training as him. And Ooh. my goodness, like the the, Was it difficult? the neck exercises are insane. But when, when, you know, you see these neck exercises where they're pulling on your neck in different directions. Yeah. They actually, his trainer had to um, take like a baseline, like the, uh, it's kind of electronically to connect to a laptop so they can see the pressure that you're able to pull with your neck muscles. And they have to take a baseline before you do the proper exercises. Oh my So they God. know the amount of like pressure to put on your neck so it doesn't like rip your head off. Like break it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So just, oh, just break your neck off. It's oh, ridiculous. That's insane. Yeah, really that is is. wild. Yeah, it's, oh, it was a, it was it's an interesting little watch. That's very cool. I like to see that. I'll go away and not watch it. <laughs> Forget about it immediately. I'm gonna do so yeah, because I want to eat. I want steak now. Um <laughs> Next, Lucas says, with really good drivers like Vettel, Danny Rick, Perez, and Alonso struggling so much in new cars, do you think the days of the silly season are over? 
and we'll see more drivers staying at teams for longer. <laughs> I mean, the irony is two of those drivers are on the podium next week. Yeah, I'm guessing I'm that. Assuming, yeah. I'm assuming that came in before the weekend started. Before, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I do think it's going to be a lot more sedate in terms of driver moves this year. Mm. Given that we're about to go into a whole new regulation change, I think stability yeah. is going to be important in mm, more um, aspects than one yeah driver well, lineup we, and cast yeah yeah we, we have just had a really silly season the silliest of seasons. really silly silly season the silliest of silly seasons so it's probably yeah i mean they come in waves don't they the silly season, yeah so. usually i mean usually they do yeah i mean you, you, unless there's a big you know someone retires a big name retires then probably going to be quite sedate otherwise mm. you know it only takes like a you know a, a hamilton retiring or a bottas deciding to do something else or yeah i mean mm. i mean i think even the bottas thing though that it wouldn't like what we've already talked about i think that where that would go for next season is fairly straightforward i think it's more about who'd replace russell at williams and mm. that's just that basically it basically leaves just ac towards the back of the grid that is not going to be that sought after other than by UF2 kind of yeah. champions or higher finishes up this season looking to get through. Like, I mean, um, Joe, Guanyin Joe from F2, for example, yeah. he's adamant that he is like about to hit his best form and he's ready for Formula One. Mm -hmm. So... He's the kind of person that you would maybe hope come to see coming up from F2 as F2 champion next season. Uh, but other than that, many moves, I can't see him. No, I mean, just like glancing down, like Red Bull aren't going to change. Mercedes, as you said, we might see a change. Ferrari, they're both locked into contracts. I know signs is probably in a one year, but I can't see Ferrari changing anything. McLaren, they're locked in. Alpha Terry, who knows? Because that team's always a mystery. <laughs> Aston Martin's not going to change. Alpine, I th they seem pretty pleased with Ocon right now. That just depends on how long Alonso wants to stick around. Yeah, um, I think really the biggest changes are going to be what Ferrari do with Hassan, Alfa Romeo, because Ferrari have got a queue of drivers in F2 and F3 currently. Um, yeah. Giovinazzi, I think, is quietly doing a pretty decent job there. Maybe a Raikkonen in retirement. Yeah, he might get bored, finally. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't see that, like, he's always sort of had that attitude in recent years of, I mean, I'm I'm here because it's fun for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm here as almost as a hobby, but I can't see that. that? I can't, offensive is that? I mean, he's offensive to everyone below him in the junior categories that want that to see, isn't it? That it's like, I'm just here to turn up because I can, when really I could just be going and doing something else. Like I can understand that it would frustrate young drivers. That being sure. said, is this the fourth season we've done this podcast? Fifth, maybe? And Fifth now, I think. Every year we've come to discuss the next year's drivers and say, well, Kimmy's obviously going to retire at the end of this season. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe it's our fault. Kimmy yeah. will well, be we'll around for another four years. I mean, he's at Get this point, first. there's two, at least two drivers on the grid where Kimmy's raced against their dads and their sons now. So it's yeah. like... Mick wow, Schumacher yeah. will have kids by the time uh, Kimmy's decided to retire. <laughs> <laughs> um, last one for this week. Uh, 
Charlie, friend of the show, Charlie, says, Hi, guys, I've got a question for just Tom and Stu. <laughs> On a scale of Toto Wolf to Christian Horner, how smug was Chris about um, his Perez win prediction after it turned out to be bang on? Well, I mean, you heard it live. On here, as yeah. it happened. I mean, look at his face again. That's, that's, <laughs> he just big grin. There's a, there's a, only, there's a phrase for that Christian grin, Horner. which we can't repeat on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's the most Christian Horner of grins, I can tell you. Which, yeah. which I'm not thrilled about that comparison, but under the circumstances, yeah, well. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have attempted to take a screenshot of your grin for illustrative <laughs> purposes, but it's not gone all that well. Discord live chat can enjoy it. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, I look, I look as drunk as uh, Stu said he felt after his vaccine. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's pretty much what you've been like since the Perez thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is it, though, for Inbox this week. Uh, so thanks to everyone who has um, sent us things in there. Um, as always, you've heard us mention in the live show in Discord. It's easy to be part of. You just have to be part of our Patreon program. Uh, which is at patreon.com forward slash back of the grid. Any level that you decide to join on there gets you access to the Discord and it gives you the ability to listen to us doing the show live, uh, plenty of chat during race weekends and about other series and just about pets and foods and <laughs> stuff. We talk about all sorts. It's becoming a real little community and it's cool. So thanks for everyone who is already a patron cool. and part of that. Yeah, um, special mention to our team principals who I've forgotten to write the list down for, but I think Chris got. Luckily for you, I can tell you that they are <laughs> Narayan Hamari, Wesley Paul, Mark McNeil, Dustin Jantos, and Alexia Jarvis. Ooh, There's a new one there, isn't there? Yes, there is. There's a new one. Thank you. Thanks. Um, if you want to find us on socials, we're just Back of the Grid F1 on Twitter. Uh, you can search Back of the Grid on Facebook. And as we mentioned earlier in the show, you can head to backofthegrid.com where if you don't do social media, there's a contact us form and also the option to register for Predictions League each week. Uh, that is it for this week. So thank you very much to everyone who's joined us. And once again, well done, Baku. <laughs> well, done, Baku. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Baku. Bye, Never everyone. stops being funny. <laughs> Bye. Does anyone else want to eat a steak now? <laughs>